Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Well, this morning, I want to share um, from a story in the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles today, why don't you open them up? Because we're basically going to read a lot of Scripture today. So we're going to read from John chapter 4. And we're going to read the majority of that chapter. As I was reading this story, I felt like God was just providing me with so many um, little nuggets to take from it. So many uh, little lessons that I believe He has for us today. And so would you come on this journey as we read through this story and let's see what God brings out to us today. So let's start reading from John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them Gave them, give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Let me just stop there for a minute and give you some context around this story. You see, Jesus needed to get out and away from the Pharisees, so he was going to Galilee. And usually what would take place is that the Jews would go around Samaria, although it may take longer, they would not walk through Samaria because the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other, had done so for a very long time. But this particular time, Jesus was in a bit of a rush and he chose to go through Samaria. Now, we could just assume that he was being lazy and didn't want to do the long walk around But in actual fact, I think Jesus had a plan. In fact, I think Jesus knew exactly what he was doing and exactly who he would meet. We then go on and it says that Jesus sat by the well and it wasn't just any well, but it was a very particular well. It was Jacob's well. Jacob was 
one of the reasons as to why the Samaritans and Jews were so different, there was a bit of a divide way back when. And so that place, that well became a very significant location for the Samaritans in their faith. And yet Jesus sat there at noon. Now noon's the hottest day, uh, hottest time of the day. And then this woman walks up. Now during this time in Samaria, women, much like the toilet, would go to the well together in groups. It was a social event. So they would all go to the, to- uh, to the toilet. They would all go to the well together to draw water and take it back. Now, this lady comes on her own and she comes at the hottest part of the day and we can only infer that Perhaps she was an outcast. She was going at the hottest part of the day. Now, they don't just go to the kitchen sink and and draw water. Instead, they had to leave their town, walk a distance, get the water and carry the water back. It tells me that not only was she an outcast, but she was really avoiding the other time where all the women would go together. And then we keep reading and Jesus, well, I love Jesus. I feel like we we have a similar personality. (laughs) That's a bit blasphemous, isn't it? (laughs) Never mind. Um, I love it because he was like, he was like, can you get me water? Like he knows where this conversation is going. Will you get me water, please? And she's like, you, you are not allowed to talk to me. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And on top of that, she's a woman who he really should not have been talking to. And so immediately she's a bit taken back by this guy. Like, why are you talking to me? What are you doing? And then she goes on. And uh, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Okay, she's still in the practical mode. Like you don't even have a, a jug to collect the water. How could you give me water? They continue on and I love this part here where Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman's response, the woman's response moves me. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now we could just gloss over that, but I wanna pause for a minute. She doesn't know who Jesus is. She doesn't realise that He is the Messiah, but this man has given her something to have hope from. I'll give you living water. 
which means you'll never thirst again. And in her practical mind, she thinks, you mean I don't have to come in the middle of the day at the hottest part of the day and collect my water in my embarrassment, in my shame, in in my hurt, in my frustration. I don't have to keep reliving this journey day in and day out where I am reminded that I am a nobody, that I am reminded that I am nothing. You mean I... I wouldn't have to do that. So she clings onto this hope that maybe whoever this Jew is could give her what she needs to move past her hurt and pain. Now Jesus says, go call your husband and come back. Sounds a little bit harsh because he knows her. And she says, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now she's ready to fight. So Jesus has just pointed out some stuff in her life that she's not proud of. Maybe the exact reason as to why she's considered an outcast in Samaria. So she goes, okay, clearly you're something. That's great. And then she brings up this point of contention between the Jews and Samaritans. Well, we say we should worship here and you should worship there. She's, she's getting ready for a fight. Well, if I deflect it from me... And, and just put it in mutual ground here where I know we both fight, then maybe he'll leave me alone. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. I'm sure it sounds nicer and not English. Uh, woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know and we worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. He's not saying there that you have to be a Jew to have salvation. But what he's saying is that the Jews have more scripture, more understanding. We have more backing behind our reasoning. And so he's saying, no offence, Samaritans, but we do have a little bit more information than what you do have. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, yeah, I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. So again, she's trying to like, yeah, I'm aware of the Scriptures, like I know. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, this woman has just been on such a roller coaster. She's, she's walking to the well in the middle of the day, probably feeling those usual feelings that she does, maybe of shame, maybe of embarrassment, maybe of just pure exhaustion of reliving this same thing day in and day out. And then she has an encounter with Jesus. 
and He speaks to her. And, and at the time, He offers her a little bit of hope. And then He begins to reveal to her really who He is. I know you. I know everything you've done. And then he begins to break down these, these religious barriers. He begins to, to break down some racial barriers. He begins to break down the, the frustration and the hurt that she's been feeling. And he declares to her, I, I am He, that Messiah. And what the woman does next is what encourages me the most. Verse 27 says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. This woman had an encounter with Jesus, an encounter that affected her profoundly, an encounter that provided hope, an encounter that gave her the understanding that perhaps in that moment, she was talking to the Messiah that they'd been dreaming, hoping and knowing that would come at some point. And what she did with that encounter was what makes her so significant. And part of the reason as to why I believe it's even in the Word of God is that she went back to her town and she told people about that encounter. But can we just get back a second? Remember, this woman's an outcast. This woman is is nobody in her town. In fact, there's probably other women and people that are judging her. So for her to make the decision to go back to town with some profound information would would be that she needed to have courage. Can you imagine walking into a place where you are not loved, where you are considered a nobody, And you have to walk in there and say, "Uh, excuse me, but I think I just met the Messiah. I don't think she would have been able to be timid about this. People would have just shoved her aside. Whatever, whatever. I believe she would have gone back with a conviction with a compelling, uh, compellingness in that I need to share who I have just seen. Someone that knew my life. Someone that knew everything I had done. Someone that was willing to give me this hope of a living water. And so she goes back to town and she's like, guys, I think I just met the Messiah. Oh yeah, cool. No, 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 no. He told me everything I ever did. He told me I've had five husbands. He told me that I'm living with the guy right now that I'm not even married to. He told me that. Come on, come back. You have to see him. You see, she had to share her story in order for people to believe. 
She had to open up about the hurt, the pain, the embarrassment. She had to tell a part of her life that she was so frustrated by in order for somebody to at least have a seed planted in their brains, in their hearts to maybe, maybe that was the Messiah. She opened up. She had an encounter with Jesus. She went back to her town. She shared her story and then... She takes them back to Jesus. It says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. She had an encounter with Jesus She went back to town. She shared her story. She told them that she had met Jesus and then she gets them and she's like, come on, you've got to come back and you've got to meet Him too. And so she takes these people from this town to Jesus. And I love that it highlights here that they say to her, hey, your story gave us hope. Your story planted a seed But honestly, it was us spending time with Jesus that really made us believe and know that He was the Saviour of the world. You see, your story is something you need to share. For we all have a story. It's actually only because we're humans that we judge someone's story as being greater than another. No one's story is more powerful because if Jesus has the authority and willingness to use your story to impact, it's only Him that can determine whether or not your story is worthy. And I know for a fact that He has a story in all of us and people that we can plant a seed to. So she shares her story with these people and she takes them back to Jesus and their life is transformed. We know that it's more than just a a spiritual transformation, but they asked Jesus, a Jew, to stay with them in Samaria for two days. They're breaking down years upon years of strongholds over their cultures. They're breaking down idealisations of of what they've experienced in their past because they've had an encounter with Jesus. You see, an encounter with Jesus can transform your life. But if you're willing to share your encounter, it can transform so many other people too, if you're willing. Let's jump to 1 Corinthians for a minute. Chapter 3. Verse four, and it says, hang on. Yes, are you not acting? (laughs) Hang on. For when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. 
So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who um, plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. You see, we are called here as a church and as believers in this world to work as a team. It's not a competition in how many people you save. You don't actually save anyone. Jesus does. But what we do as a church is we plant seeds. You know, I love that Nathan was saying earlier that the seed that the youth leaders have planted in them as as youth, they're now imparting into other people. That's the job that we have called to do. And this woman, as she met Jesus, she was given this seed direct from Him and she went back and she, she said, here, this, have this seed. I believe that I have met Jesus. And it wasn't until they spent time in His presence they were able to identify who He really was, the Saviour of the world. Back in John chapter 4, we can read that Jesus actually talks to the disciples when they come back. And they say, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Jesus is reminding the disciples Guys, it's actually not about you. Although you do incredible work and you work hard, remember that all the people that have gone before you have just as much done the hard work. You know, we are blessed to live in a church that has been here for years. And there are people that have gone before us that have planted seeds that we now are only getting to see. I was reminded of a story that happened um, uh, about, I don't know, 2016-ish. I was working at my school and we had a family that were really in need. And the mum and the kids were going to a new home. And at the time I put out to the church, hey, this woman needs a house load of stuff. She, she needs a bed, she needs a fridge, she needs a washing machine, she needs everything. Is there anyone that has some stuff that we can give to her? And a number of people put their hand up and said, yes, like we've got this, we've got that. And so we were able to fill her home full of things. Can I tell you, we planted a seed that day. I don't know if she's ever made a decision to follow Jesus. I don't know where she even is today. But what I do know 
is in that moment of her need, our church rose up and we were able to bless her. We planted a seed. Sometimes we don't get to see the fruit of the seed that we sow, but that's okay. Because we can only pray and believe that there will be more people in her journey that will continue to water that seed. More people that will continue to ride the waves, the highs, the lows. And we pray that God willing, she would come to know Jesus at some point in her life. The band, you guys can come up. You know, the Samaritan woman could have had that encounter with Jesus and kept it to herself. And her life most likely internally would have been transformed. For she would have known that she met the saviour of the world, but her willingness, her willingness to share her story, her willingness to share about her encounter meant that an entire town of people came back to meet Jesus and came to know Him as their Lord and Saviour. We all have a story. We all have the ability to have an encounter. And it's up to us what we choose to do with that. But if this story teaches me anything, it's that maybe my experiences with God are never just for myself. But maybe they're for more than me. I feel really encouraged and I've grown up in a place where people have constantly sown into me. And when doubt trickles in, people have been able to squish it. Hold on to the faith, Brit. Hold on to the faith. Who are you encouraging to hold on to the faith? Who are you encouraging to trust maybe one more time? Who are you standing by when people are standing for miracles? Are you you backing them? Are you believing with them? Are you sharing your story? Because you have a story to share. You have seeds to sow. This story tells me that I sow the seeds, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus that brings about salvation. It's Jesus that makes the way. But if I'm obedient, if I'm passionate about the call of God on my life, then I will continue to share my story. I'll continue to be motivated to action by my encounters with Christ. You know, we heard the youth this week had incredible encounters with God. And so my thinking is, what are you going to do with that encounter? Sometimes we just need to write it down and we come back to it. 
Sometimes that encounter causes us to be driven into His presence so that we can become more like Him. Sometimes that encounter is is causing us to get excited so that we get up and we start doing things. What are you doing with your encounters with Christ? The Samaritan woman was considered an outcast. She was considered the lowest of low in her area. And yet we see that even she was able to bring people to Jesus. Doesn't matter where you've been, God can use your story. Can you stand with me? And I'm gonna pray. We're just gonna worship God for a minute. We're gonna sing, you are worthy of it all. Because we aren't the ones worthy of the praise. Although we do great things and we encourage and uplift each other, which is so important. At the end of the day, it is God who deserves all the glory. So can I encourage you as we, as we sing this song, would you just give Him all the glory? He deserves it all. God, I thank You that we have a story. I thank You that we have an ability to have encounters with You. And Holy Spirit, I pray that when we do, God, would we go out and would we plant seeds? Lord, would we water seeds that have already been planted? God, would we we look around and see Your harvest is plentiful, God. May You highlight to us the people that we are to have relationship with. Lord, the people that we are to sow into. God, would You identify people in our own lives right now that You want us to intentionally reach for Your Kingdom. For God, You are. You are worthy of it all. The glory is Yours. And this morning, Holy Spirit, we just wanna give You that worthy and that glory. For our story, Lord, is your story. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.